Good morning and welcome to Ask Andy. This is Andrew Newworth. This is a daily podcast about personal injury practice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And you can reach me at 215-259-3687 or on the web at newworthlaw, N-E-U-W-I-R-T-H-L-A-W.com. So I'm getting ready to pick a jury in Philadelphia tomorrow on a case. And I'm doing sort of my final, you know, preparations. But I wanted to talk to you for a minute today about, you know, what jury selection is like in Philadelphia. So jury selection is different from county to county in Pennsylvania. I've practiced in a number of states, and it's different from state to state. But in Philadelphia particularly, the judges are available to supervise, but primarily what happens is their you know, tip staff or their kind of court clerks work with the lawyers to choose jurors. So how does that work in actual practice? The lawyers decide whether they want 8, 10, or 12 jurors. And, you know, depending on how long and how serious your case is, as a lawyer, you may want 8, you know, if it's a small, short case, and you may want 12 if it's a long, complicated case. Uh, You know, the decision-making there is pretty simple. If you're going to have a one-day trial, you don't want to spend three-quarters of a day or a full day trying to find a jury. You just want a jury. You know, if you've got more complicated issues in a longer period of time, you want to be more sure about who your jurors are and etc. So next thing that happens is, you know, usually court starts at 930. You'll get there about an hour later, they'll call for a jury panel, the panel will come upstairs. And basically, it's 40, you know, 45 people or 65 people. And they sit, you know, in the courtroom, and you introduce yourself as a lawyer, you introduce your client briefly, and then the defense will do the same. And then essentially forms are handed out to allow the jurors to mark off any problems they would have with serving. And, you know, particularly the ones that are, you know, we watch out for are, I'm a young mother with three children at the home, or I'm the sole breadwinner in my family and I don't get paid for my time here, etc. So those are hardships. People who physically just can't make it to court or, you know, aren't capable of sitting still and listening. People who are hard of hearing. Um, you know, not infrequently you'll get people who um, are, you know, don't speak English well, etc. Also, you know, felons are excluded automatically most lawyers you know will say that they're such and usually they'll be you know kicked off at some point but so the jurors fill out these forms you as a lawyer get the forms you have about i would say all of 10 minutes to go through 40 or 50 forms so it's real rough and ready real super quick judgments about people and you know kind of your own personal preferences in terms of jurors. And every lawyer has their own preferences as to what they think will help their case or not. And it depends on the case. It depends on what kind of case you have. It depends if you have a strong case or a weak case. It depends on, you know, what kind of jury you've been comfortable with in the past. I mean, I have my own preferences and and predilections. Um, So at that point, you've got a stack of 40 or 50 pieces of paper in front of you. You want to look at, you know, Anyone saying they're a felon, anyone saying they can't be fair, 
anyone who, you know, has real excuses. And then you learn a little bit about, you know, what each of these people do because they write down, I'm a school teacher, or they write down, I'm an investment advisor, or they write down, I'm a postal worker, um, or I'm unemployed. At that point, the tip staff will take the lawyers back. The clients are discharged. The lawyer, which is unusual in, in criminal practice, you know, the client is there selecting jurors side by side with the lawyer. In civil practice in Philadelphia, that's just not the way it is. So then you go back in the um, in the judge's, you know, courtroom chambers, just a little tiny little room with basically three chairs and a table, and you bring in all the jurors who have problems. So you're not getting any of the people who don't have problems. You're getting only the people who, you know, think they might have a problem. And you go through everyone's problems. So you go through about, you know, 20 or 30 people. Usually out of that 20 or 30, you're going to get 15 who are, um, you know, not discharged. You know, most people, when they raise a, an issue, they have a legitimate issue. So, you know, after about 30 people have come through, you've had a chance to ask one question, maybe two of people. Usually the tip staff will do the first questioning of the juror. And the jurors often say, look, I'm just a, I'm a mother with three young children under the age of seven at home. I can't afford help. I'm the only you know person who can do it. So on and so forth. All right, thank you. You're discharged. Or, you know, I'm a felon or I'm a, I'm a lawyer and I practice in personal injury car accident law. That person's going to get discharged on on a you know personal injury car accident question, and then you know then there are other people who have the usual sort of physical hardships or, or personal hardships. Um, you know, at that point, if you've got thirty people who came through and you see fifteen, you know you're going to have a decent shot of having a jury within an hour or two. At that point, the questioning starts each. Lawyer is usually entitled to three challenges um, without reason given. But first of all, there are challenges for cause. The lawyers can make challenges for cause. The other side can oppose them or, or, or not. Um, sometimes as a tactical move, you will try and challenge someone for cause because they are, you know, you feel that they're not going to be a good juror for you based on what they said and you know, a challenge for cause is really this person cannot be fair under the circumstances um, or they just can't listen. And, you know, sometimes the tip staff will get agreement from both jurors or both lawyers and that'll be that. And challenges, peremptory challenges are really ones where you don't like something about the profile of the person. You know, we don't get to talk to you and have a deep, in-depth conversation with you as a juror. So we're making a judgment call. You know, is it right or wrong? I don't know, but that's kind of what we do. So you're making a professional judgment about, hey, do I want this, um, you know, postal worker on my jury or would I rather have a financial advisor? And that depends on, you know, what you're looking for in a juror. Do I want someone who looks and acts like my client or do I want someone very different from my client? You know, do I want someone who's going to be a real leader on the jury, or do I want someone who's going to be a follower? And, you know, those are sort of the basic conversations you got to have with yourself in your mind as you're watching the jury come through. And then pretty much it's, you know, you make your challenges, the other side makes their challenges. Pretty soon you've got 
eight jurors and you're over and done with in an hour and a half. So that's kind of the basic Philly process. Usually the jury will be then sworn in by the judge um, as a jury panel and everyone's discharged and told to come back the next day and the trial will start the next day. In, you know, there's been a ton written in the legal papers and legal press about jury selection and how to choose a jury and social media questioning your jury. A lot of that stuff is for uh, much longer, much more elevated trials. We, you know, I submit a, a list of 10 questions that I want each juror to answer. And if I'm lucky, the tip staff will ask one question of mine. Um, sometimes they don't like the question. Sometimes they don't care. You know, it's it, 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 you get about a two-minute glance at the person and a time to make a judgment call based on who they are, where they live, what they do, and, you know, how they act and how they respond to questions. So it's just a snapshot. And, you know, is, is it the fairest thing on the planet or the fairest method I've seen? I don't really know. It's, it's pretty speedy so you know it's like having a rainy day at golf or you know a torrential driving rainstorm while you're cycling or you know everyone's sort of faced with the same limitations it's a very rapid selection of people it is rightfully or wrongfully intended to um, get the jury selected and you don't get a lot of time to figure out who your jury is or, or what to do about it so you know you make some gut feelings, some guesses, and you go with what you got. And that's it. And then you move on. And then it's it's kind of your case will be presented, you know, hopefully over the next two or three days. So, you know, jury selection is a lot of feel. It's a lot of emotional intelligence for the lawyers. You are trying to present yourself as a, you know, decent appealing person to the jury. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much it. It's just a fast very rough cut of people, and you're not going to get the jury you love as a plaintiff's lawyer or a defense lawyer. You're just not, because the other side's going to knock off all the people you love. You're going to knock off all the people who would be best for them, and you end up with a jury that's sort of, you know, neither terrible nor extraordinary for you. And, you know, usually that's all you really need. You just need a bunch of people who are willing to be fair. That's enough for today. I got work to do on this trial, and uh, I'll have more to say as the trial unfolds on trial practice. That's Ask Andy, and thanks for listening. I hope you understand that I hold people accountable.